All right, Clay, before we get to this episode, which is the curious case of Tuvok the Vulcan, we are going to have a little discussion about peak age. Do you have a peak age? Have you experienced peak age yet? And you can take that to be whatever whatever that question means to you, if you have a peak. Uh, my own personal peak age was probably 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I, I probably, I'm going to go by comic book rules. I say whatever age Batman and Superman are is probably peak age. So probably like early 30s. Like the characters themselves are early yes. 30s? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Is that how old Bruce like, Wayne? Yeah, I guess maybe that makes sense. Bruce Wayne always yeah, seems a little bit older. Yeah, he's kind of, he's skewed. Well, it's <laughs> it's because at this point they've aged all of his side characters up, but they've never aged him up. Mm. So he's like, he's like 38 and Nightwing is like 25. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or 30. So it's by, it's like, okay, so he became Robin when Bruce Wayne was eight. <laughs> it's just one of those things where you have to just not think about it. Otherwise, your brain's going to break. Well, he started in, in a, an era where he would have seemed older, too. Like he, he's not, he's not a, a 33 year old right. in 2022. He's a, he's a 33 year old in 1947 or whatever the hell, yeah. whenever he came out. Yeah. I would say early thirties for the most part. Cause that's like old enough to have your shit together and be like successful, mm. but it's also young enough that you can still play professional sports pretty well. Yeah. And like your body hasn't quite started falling apart yet. Take a chair shot. <clears throat> yeah. I think yeah, um, exactly. like 27 was a good age for me. I think, um, there's nothing specific about that. that that's, when it, it, that's when the pieces felt like they were starting to come together, at least, mm-hmm. which happens surprisingly late uh, in life. But yeah, 30 felt like a big change. And however old I am now, uh, feels quite far from peak after multiple back surgeries. <laughs> I, I'm no longer <laughs> rounding the bases the way that I used to, unfortunately. Um, yeah, 27 seems good. Everybody seems to have their like mile marker as to when they start to feel old like it's like the inverse of what we're talking about where it's like nobody really is conscious at the time of what their peak of life is but everyone has that mile marker where it's like well after this point that's when i know i'm really old and i've just recently met mine which is i am now the same age canonically as homer simpson yeah so (laughs) he's lost quite a bit of hair by that point too yeah he's he's homer from a different era he's homer from the 80s yeah, you squander your peak. Everyone squanders their peak, except for maybe professional athletes who are well aware of their peak, I guess. They're the only people that would actually be uh, in the know about that. This one is called Innocence. It's the 22nd, 22nd episode of the second season. A lot of twos. Came out on April 8th, 1996. Teleplay goes to Lisa Klink. Story credit goes to Anthony Williams, directed by James L. Conway in Universe State 49578.2, 2372. In Innocence, Tuvok is trapped on a moon with a group of alien children who are disappearing one by one. That's not really true, is it? Don't two of them disappear? Yeah, technically two of them disappear at the same time. Yeah, so. this is not one by one. So the memory alpha blurb is wrong. Uh, we'll see if we well, can you get past that. You can't say trapped with children on a moon who are starting to, to, to disappear all two but one. thirds all by but two one. thirds. <laughs> just, eventually, he's not going to have a problem because they can't take all of us if we just keep going by a fraction. That's the um, that philosophical question that was like stumped mathematicians uh, for a long time until math came around to prove it, which is that say you shoot an arrow at a barn door mm-hmm. um, and it takes X amount of time to get halfway Right, like the arrow always travels halfway, and you can always find a halfway point at the distance that it's traveling. Mm-hmm. So, how does the arrow ever hit the door? Mm. Right. I guess mathematically they prove that, but I'm not smart enough to understand how the math of that would actually prove that it would work. But it does. I have to imagine, and this is my art. This is the brain of an art school student here, so I'm, I'm sure this makes no sense. Vanishing point yeah. lines, or whatever you're going to say. The uh, no, I'm just I'm I'm I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving that caveat because math and physics are not my sure. forte. Yeah. But I have to imagine it has to do with something with like, you know, the, the arc, uh, the arc of the arrow, because you're not shooting an arrow completely straight. So does the arc of the arrow, does somehow the falling, the falling oh. gravity control, like oh, sorry, make up I, for I might the be, lack of speed? I, I think it's more a question of how is this possible mathematically? 
that it can be the case if something if something is traveling and you can always find the halfway point how does it ever get somewhere mathematically is the is the problem so like they oh, they, can, no, they can obviously I, see that it hits the door but like if you account for something is always not you can always measure it as not quite there then how does it ever mathematically <laughs> arrive at that point well is that is that related to the uh you said philosophical is that is that related to i forget who it was that made the claim that you, you you're never actually touching anything it's all just a matter of constantly uh decreasing by half into infinity yeah th- that's basically it's the same yeah. idea yeah oh, okay yeah. okay yeah um innocence the children episode with tuvok on the planet uh this is one of those <laughs> This is a classic Star Trek episode trope now where if anyone just talked about what was going on, the episode's over and about... Oh, my God. Every single conversation. Every single conversation with the the Veil people. It was like... you know you don't understand well then fucking tell me what's going on no we can't tell you just you don't understand to be fair Janeway could directly ask they they could directly ask what is going on and they they never do that either yeah yeah it's that's when that's when these things get really frustrating because like when you're withholding information in a story that's one thing but when you're doing it when you're actively writing around the ability to communicate that that's when it starts to feel really contrived yes Yep, really obvious. It's just like, you know, and then you you see the sort of, you just see all the strings of the script there too, where it's like, all right, we're going to set up these aliens to be assholes at first so that like it's sort of difficult to ask them the question about what's going on. And even though they're not really assholes, the woman who's in charge is going to be kind of a jerk just because that makes it a little bit more like... narratively difficult i guess for janeway to figure out what's going on even though she doesn't ultimately just ask the question about what's going on but that it's that that element i actually didn't mind because i did kind of there is something kind of fun about janeway being you know there's lots of talk about first contact and about it being this really great experience and how everybody wants to do it and so i kind of like them undercutting it a bit what by them having first contact with someone who just like i just didn't really care like you know what it's nice nice to see you i'm happy you're in the neighborhood but i'd like to get back to my spinning class now space amish sort of that seems to be like an inspiration for these guys they're kind of right am i forgetting or did i not pay attention do they have like a technological reason they don't want to talk to voyager um or is they just private that's the i don't know actually they don't really get into their culture at all outside of the uh uh, aging and reverse thing yeah yeah which as everybody knows the amish also do yeah the, the, the Amish are the youngest population. They just all have tremendous beards uh, after, after all that time. Yeah, Innocence is, um, I, th- I thought this was like, it's like, it's an okay, it's fine. Uh, it, it, it suffers from that colossal problem of being annoying and having a strange reveal at the end and stuff like that. But I think it, on the positive end of it, it does kind of cement Tuvok as my favorite character on the show because I think with any other character on the show, this would have been like a one out of five kind of episode. Yes. And yeah. he, he really saves it just through uh, his portrayal of what a Vulcan is to what the script seems to understand about the Vulcans. And he doesn't ultimately, yeah, it's another one of these Voyager things that it, like it's, it seems scared to actually get into what Tuvok is kind of thinking about in this, like the context of where he, you know, he talks about his kids, but is he sort of imprinting on these kids, his uh, relationship with his kids? It's not really discussed, but he, he carries it just because he's an interesting enough character and the uh, the actor is, Tim Russ is good enough at playing him. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that makes it work is kind of twofold because <clears throat> I think it's it's choosing Tuvok to be the character and also the fact that Tuvok is a Vulcan who has children. Right. Because I think the you know the traditional way they would play this is oh well vulcans don't know how to it's hilarious they can't they don't know how to deal with kids they, he doesn't have any kids he's just a a logic machine he doesn't understand wanting a juice box before right. bed yeah <clears throat> but he has four kids so he has his own uh way of approaching stuff and you also get this really fun thing where it allows him to play different layers to this character who is on the surface you know not 
ex, uh, expressing emotion the way most other people do. It, I think it's a really smart move. Um, I, I wonder if it was intentional or if it was just like, oh, yeah, he has kids that actually like that. Like, because on the surface, it makes sense for all the reasons I just said about like, oh, yeah, well, he's, you know, the uptight Vulcan. Yeah. Crazy kids meets with the, the logical meets rational the crazy Vulcan. kids. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it was like as they started writing, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot. He's got kids, doesn't he? Well, that's interesting. But either way, I think it's I think it's the right move. And I think it's any other character on, on the show. I think it would have been unbearable. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. A lot of the other characters probably just, yeah, as you're saying, they don't even really have any kind of in with kids because we don't know anything about them, uh, like how they would relate to them. Do you um, do you think the show is saying anything about Tuvok? Tuvok's feeling towards his kids. You know, is he like? Is he? Is it just the fact that he has kids and has experience and that enables him to deal with it, or is he? being reminded of his own kids through these kids and that's why he takes them up so easily yeah i would say it's a little bit of that because i mean you know he 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 obviously uh uh warms to them quite a bit as the thing goes on you know and and he uh goes out of his way to make sure that that the girl is protected and has the opportunity to um to be protected um doesn't yeah, start I, off I think, grumpy, which is just kind of the, the – as you're saying, like you kind of expect him almost to do it like the Picard thing, which is that he just doesn't like kids at the start and then they grow Right, on. yeah. Yeah, the Alan Grant yeah. character arc. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, they don't really do that. They, I mean, they do to a certain extent, but that, that's – again, it's born out of his Vulcanness, not out of his – I don't like kids. Right. You know, that thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's – um. I think he's really good. I think uh, Tim Russ is excellent at him. Uh, he, you know, we've talked about him being uh, up there, just basically a, a Nimoy copy. But I think that it works on a lot of in, in a lot of different ways. I like the Vulcans portrayed this way. I think I found another um, another kind of quality that I would look for in actors playing Vulcans, and I think it explains why I didn't like a lot of the Vulcans on Enterprise. Um, the Vulcans at least in my opinion, require an actor who can play them with a kind of grace to what they're talking mm-hmm. about. Like Nimoy yeah. clearly had it and Mark Leonard had it as Sarek and Tim Russ has it, but it's a, um, it's hard to say. It's like, it's hard to define. It's like a grace mixed with like a gravitas of believing what they say when they say things that sells them to me. Uh, the enterprise Vulcans all lacked that. They all felt like they were, unimportant and like not considered the the Vulcans on enterprise never felt like they were considering what they were saying in a way. And I think that that's important yeah. to them. Yeah. Yeah. The enterprise, I, I, I think that there was a conscious choice to make the enterprise Vulcans like less stuck up or less stiff. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, I think again, we, you know, we talked about it at length when we covered that show, but, uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a misunderstanding of what Vulcans actually are, are about and what their their whole deal is, and, it's and what a, makes a good performance. Yeah, of, it, of it's a, what makes them a good like character in these stories too. You know, if it's like if it's like Soval talking to this girl at the end, it's like just a horrible conversation about whatever right. the hell is going on there. But you you need. Um, I just like this. Like the Vulcans are clearly a, a sort of bastardization of greek stoicism and like i i think that what i really liked about this one is that um i I read meditations earlier this year which is the marcus aurelius book and it's about the stoics and whatever and i i thought that he just he captures a nice point of view here which is what makes the the vulcans interesting to me it's like the Mm -hmm. they're just more like they're humans, but more thoughtful. Like it's almost less about the emotional control and more just the sense of like being, having a kind of wisdom that is supposed to be the way that they were designed, which is kind of like they are the next evolution of humanity in some ways. Like they're a little bit more advanced than we are because they're not so hung up in these, you know, fickle fits of emotion or whatever. They sort mm-hmm. of made it so that they have no emotion at all instead of the traditional stoic 
outlook on stuff. But it, it's neat to have. It's neat to have a Vulcan who says a lot of things that make sense and it just feels appropriate for the episode and even though i don't think the script actually earns it by the end of it it's kind of a it, it's kind of a you know a beat, bittersweet slash straight up sweet ending with the kid and tuvok even though how much you want to put into that depends on how much annoyance you get out of the fact that the girl doesn't tell him anything about what's going on so it's one of those balancing acts i guess (laughs) i know i was so caught off guard at the end where after acting like a a, an eight-year-old for the whole episode she's like you remind me of my grandson ebenezer my oldest you couldn't have you couldn't have told me that at the beginning they try to get away with it with alzheimer's they're like they get very confused when they're old they don't know where Mm -hmm. they're where they are yeah i i do think the thing that tim russ gets is that you know the thing you're talking about about the consideration of of what is being said because everything that he says, every line he delivers, it feels like it is it is a statement that Tuvok has considered before saying it. Right. Yeah. And the um and that's what makes it and it makes it feel that much more important and and like you know uh ro- not robust but uh it, it gives it a little bit more gravitas thoughtful yeah. yes yeah. and you know I I never got that feeling on enterprise from the from the vulcans and i you know i didn't it didn't rub me the wrong way as much as it did you yeah but but especially seeing tim russ after that i, I start to be like okay yeah i can't I, I i get this now i understand i understand what the what the uh what the problem is yeah yeah it's um and maybe there is a there is an argument that maybe it makes them a boring group of characters if you get too many of them that are the same that's the tough part yeah that's the tough part is if you've got like 10 of them in a room yeah then i don't know i guess kind of boring but i mean when you've got one of them who is sort of the uh uh the voice of reason um among other less reasonable people i think it's it can be very effective yeah he's um yeah they're they're, because they're kind of neat they don't run into I don't feel that the Vulcan characters run into the problem of always feeling like they are, uh, like for lack of a better term, like a Mary Sue type character, which I no. feel they could get there kind of quickly. So I, I, I think that that's always a neat um, way that they've always been consistently portrayed is that they don't always have the answer to things, but they're outlook on life is frequently kind of interesting to the episode itself really so like they yeah yeah in a way that like the klingon stuff kind of feels like goofy after like when you if you get a, if you have a klingon character eventually him chiming in on every issue is just going to get a little ridiculous after a while yeah yeah the vulcans never get that way and i think that's why they're kind of special to the franchise yeah, especially when you get a bunch of Klingons in a room, it's just it's just ridiculous. Right, it's just, just a bunch a back slapping and chest thumping going on. Yeah, the Ferengi yeah. are the same way. When you get a bunch of Ferengi together, it's like this is not a real scene. You know. Speaking of the Ferengi, went to went to the dentist this weekend. Uh, my dentist is a, uh, I, I've I've it's a newer dentist. I've only been like three or four times, but uh, every time I go, I get a little bit more of a glimpse into how. Uh, much of a nerd she is mm. which is which is definitely a positive because it's always fun to talk about that stuff while you're you know getting your teeth drilled into is this a dentist and or the hygienist i've never had this a is the dentist, dentist. Oh, okay. this is yeah. the dentist yes yep. and uh she she found out uh <laughs> she found out that i had i did a star trek podcast she was mm-hmm. you know she was uh doing my girlfriend's teeth first yeah and then <laughs> She was there's, like, a lot of ta- there's a lot of talking going on in these dental appointments with you. I, well, that's that's what happens when you go to the dentist. Mm. A lot of one sided conversations. <laughs> um, and she she was like, "That's excellent. I have a question I want to ask him." And so she came in and like at, before anything else, like before I even said what was wrong or if there was anything wrong. <laughs> do, you, do you take this insurance? Yeah. <laughs> she she hits me with. So tell me if you agree with this everybody's like really racist towards the Ferengi, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they are. Like they set this world up as being like a a past racism, but they are very clearly racist towards the Ferengi. She's like, I know. That's what I've thought for so long. Nobody ever listens to me when I say that. And I was like, you should listen to our podcast. I think you'd 
<laughs> you have to you know the, enjoy the URL off the top of your head for where we discuss these Ferengi <laughs> things. You can go to PenskyPodcast.com slash acquiescence or something. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she's a big uh, Deep Space Nine fan. No, so, interesting. Uh, yeah. That's a good dentist. We'll have to, we'll have to plug her establishments on, the, uh, on the, the, the podcast post or something like that. No, I... Um, I thought you were going to talk about teeth sharpening or something. But oh she, no! She instead wants to go. <laughs> I'll to the ask about man. that. I'll ask about that next time if there's if there's, uh, <laughs> if there's a, fer, a, a Ferengi a Ferengi tier of, of teeth sharpening I can pay for ahead yeah, of time. It's pretty fashionable. Pretty fashionable. Yeah, they, and you, obviously from uh, if she's a fan of Deep, Deep Space Nine, she would know that the Ferengi as a group getting together it leads to a bad episode, which is what the Klingons would do. But the Vulcans don't seem to do that for some reason. So I, I like them. Um, I, I just I, I think that the series has just highlighted they're pro- they're probably the most important race to the franchise. I think they're just they're versatile and like thematically important to what the show is saying about things uh like in terms of like where the good life can be and like what humanity should aspire to and stuff i just i think that they're kind of boring and maybe they're they're sort of like they've been so played out and that everyone knows about them that we kind of Mm -hmm. forget how important and vital they are not that every show needs to have a vulcan on it but a lot of the other species that the franchise or certain shows tend to think are interesting are nowhere near as interesting as the Vulcans. Could yeah. Be. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it, the strange thing about it is right. Like <clears throat> by the time they get to TNG, there seems to be a conscious decision to steer away from the Vulcans yep. because the Vulcans are not really featured on, on that show except for the episodes with Spock in it. I mean, I can't, there might be a couple other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head, but those are like the big ones. And, it, it seems like that is because of this idea, you know, I, I'm not saying it is because I obviously don't know, but it feels like it's this idea of like, oh, well, everybody knows the Vulcans. We don't want to, you know, Nimoy was so such a big presence on Star Trek. We don't want to hamper yeah. the show. We want to blaze our own trail without Vulcans. Yeah. But it's it's still funny to think about because in the history of Star Trek before that, there's been like f- four Vulcans, two of whom had more than like three lines. Mm-hmm. Like right because it's been yeah. oh i mean well technically i get well uh five vulcans if you count sidewalk was but was part five out before no that TNG would have been started? that tng would have started before that yeah. oh okay well either way uh you've got the vulcans from the uh the pon far episode who have a couple yep couple lines and then aside from that it's basically nimoy and Sarek. yes and so it's not really there's not really this blanket of vulcan going back to the Vulcan well that that it seems like um no I guess, in the, I guess in the motion picture you see TNG. yeah you see that it's not really disproving your point you see the Vulcan homeworld in the motion picture in a couple yeah of them. you get to yeah. see the the black light poster yep. that Nimoy li- that Spock lives in for five minutes yes. and then that's yeah. it <clears throat> did um it is it's it's wild actually if you think about it like there he I assume it's because of Nimoy casting such a big shadow that they don't have a regular Vulcan cast member until Voyager, like between yeah, uh, 1987. I mean, well, if you want to count the end of the original series, which was what, six, ne- 60, yeah, 79 or something, something like 69. Yeah. There's no Vulcan. There's no new Vulcan recurring character, but uh, between 1969 and like 1995. Yeah, but it, but it feels like they're the more they're more omnipresent than that, doesn't it? Like, it, yeah, it does. You, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. If you were to if ask ask ten people on the street to name three uh, Star Trek alien species, five are they going to say, "Get the fuck out of my way, nerd!" <laughs> and then <laughs> will you open your mouth five. so I can continue yeah. filling this cavity, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and then the other four out of five are going to say Vulcan is going to be one of the names they say. Yes. Five out of five even. Yep. No, definitely. Yeah. They, they, um, they didn't, that maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe, maybe it's actually for the best. They didn't poison the well in the way that they did with other species sure. by sort of overplaying their hand. And maybe as a writer, it becomes difficult to write the Vulcans, but I, 
If I was making a Star Trek show, I'd I'd write a I'd want a Vulcan. If I was creating my show, I'd want some kind of Vulcan aspect to it. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Back to this. I want. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying. I want to talk about the most important new character to the Star Trek franchise, who I'm assuming they are just teasing until the grand reveal. Mm. But uh, when does Ensign McCormick show up? Is there an Ensign McCormick? Yeah, <laughs> when uh, when the guy from Felicity, I, who I believe that's the guy from Felicity, is dying at the beginning. Oh, that's he's like, right. He's like, I want to die. No one's going to miss me. And then Tuvok says, I think Ensign McCormick would miss you quite a bit. <laughs> and he, and he's he like, died. I don't really know what that is. We don't really have a label. I'm not really sure. We haven't really had a talk about it yet. It's complicated and then just dies. And that's the end of it. We just ha- we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something, but I don't know. It's it's tough to tell. Should have got angry at Tuvok, been like, how do you know about her? And then just chokes on his own blood. <laughs> what did she say to you? <laughs> Why was that guy outside the shuttle? <laughs> <laughs> I only assumed they crashed, and then the back of the shuttle just flapped down and just farted that guy out into a, into <laughs> Tuvok, a rock and Tuvok snapped just ran. his spine. <laughs> <laughs> Tuvok just ran out of there. <laughs> didn't put his seatbelt put his seatbelt on or something but that guy was he was a good distance away from the shuttle craft to that uh, i guess mm-hmm. he, he i guess he could have just rolled out of there and hit something awkwardly and that was the end of him but he does say his vertebrae are, are shattered so maybe that was the case um yeah just him <laughs> him and tuvok on that uh vacation another case of the sh- the shuttles on voyager just fucking off for a long distance <laughs> to get away that- from the ship that was so that was the thing that i was confused at f- going into this and i don't know if i just wasn't listening close enough or whatever but like when he first finds the kids right uh i think i can't remember if it's after he fi- i think it's they go to the credits after he finds the kids and he's like okay i guess i'll i'll take care of you and then they go to the credits or whatever they come back from the credits and they're on the we're back on Voyager and Janeway is like I can't wait to talk to these new people and they are the people who the children belong to yep and I actually said to myself oh thank god I thought this was just going to be Tuvok stuck on a moon with a bunch of kids I'm happy to see they just jumped back onto the onto Voyager Mm. which obviously I was wrong about yeah but I just found it a little confusing because I was like wait a minute where are where are they does Voyager not know where they went, but they're also, are they meeting this species just completely coincidentally? This happens to oh, be the same species? I see is what that you the mean. thing? I don't know. The, the confusion there is Voyager doesn't know exactly where he crashed, right? So there's some sort of weird distance going on where he's he's close enough to find a planet in like a moon where they put their kids, which you think must be close to their planet that they're from, but he's far enough away where the ship has no idea what happens to him when he crashes, you know? Well, they they also, they pull the old uh, uh, atmospheric distortion card, sure. which I feel sure. like they play every other episode in the show now. But, but yeah, because it's like there's three shuttlecrafts that go out and they're they're like going on some sort of, mission yeah and then they know where two of them went but they don't know where tuvok was that was yeah. that the deal yeah yeah something like that yeah so i don't know it was a fairly chaotic shuttlecraft mission it's, it sounds like i yeah. also would like to say this might be in the running for least inventive alien species their facial makeup. design yep just the veil because it it well, no even the makeup under the veil mm. just it looks like it literally looks like they're wearing temporary tattoos on their foreheads. Yeah. Like you, you can see like that kind of translucent white seam yep. at the edge of the temporary tattoo. Yep. That's what it that's what it feels like. Yeah, they're um I mean they're they're mostly just a like a I don't know if you wouldn't call them a MacGuffin or anything, but they're they're just really just a like bare bones alien race that they've created here where the the kids are going to be one thing sure. and then we're going to yeah. flip around them, but it, I um their veils, I didn't really mind. I thought they they potentially cool. could have been they, they potentially could have been interesting in what their outlook was, but it ultimately is not important to it. Um, yeah. How much does this one was this one torpedoed for you by the machinations of getting to the ending, or were you just indifferent to it once you got there? No, I. You know, I I I thought it was fine overall. Um, 
the the Tuvok and the kids stuff was actually better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I think I think it is because what we were talking about, where they don't just go for the, you know, gruff guy annoyed by children thing. They actually he has some compassion because he is a father himself. I think that that that's what really makes it bearable. Yes, and or and work if at all. Yeah, um, and the ending is, yeah, it's just a really strange like i i i feel like they could have done something else um because it's just such a left field pull uh that i don't feel like really adds anything thematically or anything it's just it's just just an excuse and like you know even when they're talking about that monster that they think is there and the, the the woman is like oh no that's fake you're just gonna die yes that's that's the that's the weird part too. It's not even like it's a religious ceremony where they keep up the like the literal veil around what's going on. Like she tells them, I, I guess a lot of it is just getting away with like the reason they talk to you like this is because they're basically senile at this point and they don't mm-hmm. really know what's going on. Which is um, I don't know. I w- I was a little struck by the ending where um. What they're doing isn't necessarily wrong, but the little girl didn't want to be there either at that point. And so it's like, well... It's the equivalent, it's the space equivalent of dumping your grandmother off in a nursing home and just leaving. Yeah. And say, like... And if someone like befriends her to be like, you leave her alone. She's going to die here. Like, this is the the way I paid for this. This is going to happen. And also, if you're close to death... It, I, with this species, wouldn't that mean that this woman has another like eight to ten years left before she turns into a baby and then dies? It is. It is unclear um, if it is a an exact Benjamin Button situation <laughs> where she does in fact have to age into a baby form before she dies. <laughs> I think they have to. Seems to not be the case, but yeah, I, I, like I I wonder. Does does it work better, and do you have a little bit more time to uh, sit with this stuff if you rever- if you reveal this to t- at least Tuvok earlier, so yep. he like he knows what's going on, and he then chooses to stay with her, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, like maybe he finds like maybe the scene where the, he they're trying to fly away, but they can't quite get out. Maybe that's where he finds out, and so he ends up going back. Uh, like it sucks because like if if you are playing if you're if you're putting the weight of a story twist and reveal onto this thing then you really can't do that because it's then in order for that to work you you have to obviously keep it a secret you can't yeah, just be yeah. saying what's going on yeah but i think it's might be a little bit more narratively and thematically rewarding if at least Tuvok does know what's going on at some point because then he's then he's there, a father of four, uh, sitting with both a vision of his a, a vision of his future in more in two in more than one way, you know, where he's got he's got a child that he um, is uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, like heading home to or taking care no, of No, he's got he he's got a child that he's bonding with oh. here on the planet that reminds him of his own child, but then he also is bonding with someone who's at the end of their life. Yeah. And what does that mean? Is he is he looking at this child and thinking about, oh, his own child toward at the end of her, their life? And you know, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff you could get into, but it would require a you know a fundamental restructuring of everything. Yeah. I, I think that's the um that's the problem, and it seems like it's it's a kind of a Voyager trope at this point. Is that it's what I was talking about earlier? Like there there is stuff for Tuvok as a character to talk about and be concerned about in this episode, mm-hmm. and they they mention it, but it's really it doesn't really go on anything beyond the fact that Tuvok has children, therefore he is okay at talking to these kids, uh, yeah, and getting along with them because I um like. A lot of his emotional or like a lot of his connection to them, if you don't want to say it's an emotional Vulcan connection, is is probably to me the fact that he's being reminded about his own kids, which he maybe doesn't think about 
um, or at least the show doesn't have him think about because he, he it, it's not like the show isn't set up for him to be concerned about his kids the whole time. That's just not yeah. the way it works. Yeah. So it's, it's a good reminder here for him, but it, it's, um, you don't, you just don't really learn anything about what Tuvok thinks about the situation for that or how this impacts him. And that's the problem with the reverse aging thing is that it doesn't, even if Tuvok knows about it, it doesn't really change the algebra too much for him. Like yeah. he'd have to just explicitly start talking about his kids at that point and maybe not seeing them and dying. And uh, there are threads there, but it doesn't feel like it's really woven together too well to do like a cohesive story about something about Tuvok. Yeah. You never get, to the point of Ripley and Newt here, and I no. and I don't mean like action wise, but just you know that that Aliens is so good in that way by very uh, slyly and adeptly setting up this motherhood story for Ripley that is followed through completely through the whole movie, and uh, and you find in that you believe the bonding between those two without ever really having to talk about it. Yes. And here you don't really get that. Like you, they never get to that point. Um, and I think that the the reveal at the end does kind of undercut it a bit. But uh, you know, it is what it is. They they really uh, Voyager really starting to get in the way of a lot of cultures' funerary rites, huh? This is the, is this the second time they've done that? <laughs> Harry Kim, I guess, is the first one. Uh, yeah, there might, there might be a second one somewhere. Yeah, it's it's so biz- the it's the alien. Delta Quadrant, you know, you just can't predict what people are going to be doing with their dead bodies. Also, who's who's the person behind the scenes at Voyager that clearly really wants to kill some children on screen? Because they are just <laughs> really dancing around it. Last episode, they killed that one baby, but then it's okay because the the other baby took the place. Yep. And this one, they killed two children, but it's okay because they're actually ninety years old. <laughs> <laughs> what are we What are we driving towards here? Maybe 96 isn't even old for this species. Maybe they live to be 752 or something on average, and they're just, yeah. they're just out there dying. Yeah, it's too bad. I, um, I guess we can go to the patron thoughts now, see if they have anything else to say uh, about this one. But it was, uh, I thought this episode was fine, but we'll, we'll have final thoughts for it too. Innocence. If you guys want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. You leave a couple dollars. You get to leave a couple thoughts about this as well. (laughs) Patreon.com slash the Penske file. So let's go there now. Our first comment is Clef. Uh, I'm just opening up your little window here. It, excuse me, Innocence. The show is all about Tuvok marooned with three kids on a rock. Russ's acting is rad as a pretty cool dad, but the contrived plot smells like writer's block. Three Benjamin Buttons out of... Five, Kyle Barrett. I'll send this one over to you. Do to do. Innocence. I wish all kid-focused Star Trek episodes would have the kids die at the end. <laughs> this is a very TNG-feeling episode from the planet to the diplomacy, and I wish there was more of a Voyager slant on things. It's also an episode where everything could be solved if the aliens explained things earlier, and I don't think it plays fair with what the kids say happened to them. The weird Benjamin Button twist is completely nonsense from the mind of Carl Pilkington and ruins the thematic work of Tuvok interacting with the children. There's a sprinkle of Tuvok character work, but mainly just fluffy, cutesy bollocks of a Vulcan having to deal with irritating children. And this is probably Jimmy Jimmy Savile's favorite planet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he could diddle the kids and get away with it because they are actually adults. Two pedophiles lurking in a cave out of five. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, I guess a lot of cultural, a lot of cultural touchstones. But, in that yeah, a lot, a lot of pop culture. Um, yeah. Uh, just, I guess I don't really have anything else to add on to that. The Voyager Slash is just too back. But did I... Did I tell you when I uh, um, when I first got into the prisoner, I was you know just looking for different stuff and resources online and whatnot, and I found this one blog that that had a really interesting long form breakdown of a lot of different elements of the prisoner. Yep. And you know you're you're clicking on links and stuff because you're thinking, okay, well if the, you, these people are into this, maybe some of these other things that they like or these websites that they follow, blah blah blah, you know, but might be lead me to more prisoner stuff. And after like a handful of clicks, 
I came across this blog that was a a full throated defense of Jimmy Savile. Mm, yeah, and like with it was like a dense tome <laughs> of why of Jimmy Savile was actually innocent. And I was I didn't know how I got there, mm-hmm. but like I I've never seen anybody else even attempt to make that argument, so I don't know. <laughs> I you know you found one man alone. Oh, oh, absolutely! I yeah, think he was <laughs> totally railroaded. No, it's it was just very strange. It's like there's there's always something on the internet. You know, it's even, no matter it's it's the algorithm in action where you keep clicking long enough and you end up down the rabbit hole, defend, defending pedophiles and storming the capital. You're down the 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 alien cave of this episode, just getting diddled by that that alien that's down there, the the ghost of Christmas past or whatever. Um, Tax Bear says, Innocence, I'm not going to ask how fully grown Dreans, I guess that's what their name is, give birth to one another. However, I am going to ask what kind of sense this reverse aging process makes, which is none at all. Also, the Drayan leader's comments about the Voyager crew aging in reverse from their perspective, and thus not aging normally, wouldn't feel as hollow if that wasn't how 99.99% of all the species in the galaxy seem to work. That's true. They're the weirdos. Not me. <laughs> Uh, Eric McGowan, I always like Tuvok episodes even when they aren't really any good. This episode isn't too bad until the end when the twist is revealed about the aliens aging backwards. It's a gotcha moment for the audience, but it doesn't make any logical sense why the kids wouldn't have told Tuvok sooner, and it kind of undermines the earlier parts of the story. Two out of five. Yeah, I um, because your point was to, to thematically tie them together to make Tuvok think that he's older. I mean, I know that you said that you have to reconfigure the whole story to make that work. Um, I, guess, I guess that's my big hang up on it is that it's about Tuvok and kids for 99% of it. And then all of a sudden it's not. And then yeah. like, it's just like Tuvok doesn't have a moment of like, wait, like two and you know, Tuvok being full of grace as I want the Vulcans to be just rolls with it. And is like, well, I was wrong there, but I might as well, you might as well just die with some dignity over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it is kind of a, a wonky donkey ending. I I wonder if there's another version, like an earlier version, where it's not that they are actually old, but it's just that they they there is like it, basically everything remains the same except they are just kids who have some very limited lifespan or something. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And may, maybe that's too much of family. a yeah. Maybe that's too much of a downer, and like it needs some more sci-fi spin because if you don't have that, then there's really no sci-fi stuff in this episode. Yeah. Um, so, or maybe not. I don't know. I, I guess I was realizing that when when she's like, what do we do when they're flying off in the shuttlecraft? And the girl's like, what do we do now? And, and uh, Tuvok's like, well, you can apply for asylum on Voyager. And it's like, okay, so something has, there's some misunderstanding going on here because the girl has to go home and I doubt they're going to kill the girl at this point. So uh, that's you what it is. You are wrong. Wrong. Kensito, this one's short. I'll read this one too. I generally hate episodes with kids in them, but for some reason, this one feels better. Maybe it's because Tuvok makes a great super dad. Three out of five. Do people dislike uh, episodes with kids or just Star Trek episodes with kids? A lot of people have said they don't want kids in the episode. Um, um, I I would assume it's a general thing. I just think of the um. Uh, there's a TNG like imaginary friend from TNG is a young child. Uh, thing and I always think of that when they mention bad kid episodes and that is a pretty mm-hmm. bad episode but um, I'm trying to think of any others is Jake Sisko a child just, does, he, uh, does he count as a child or is that, he's is he probably just out yeah okay. I, don't, I don't know if that, that totally I think it's just that with younger kids it's it's so rare to get a good, yeah, a good it's a combination it's a combination of it's rare to get a really great performance and it's rare to get someone who can actually write believably for a child yeah you know yeah. so i think it's those two things generally make it kind of a bit of a chore a Kid, yeah it's, i'm sure kids don't have the easiest time with star trek dialogue either it's, yeah it is not uh written to their strengths and it's it's always like it's always like you're watching a show that never really has kids in it and then all of a sudden has kids but the kids are saying like my dad told me i needed to get my lunch before the second semester was over and yeah. like five-year-olds don't talk like they, they what they don't know what semesters are yep you're saying that because you're an old person and the last school you know is college you're 96 years old lady 
No, I, I, I understand. I, I, um, Unless they're meant to be precocious like that Jerry Maguire kid. Yeah. <laughs> and he is with his glasses and his little pug nose. Um, I bet that kid. I bet that kid was at January sixth. He's <laughs> the character, <laughs> not the not the actor. I mean, not the actor. I'm he, sure he's a lovely person. I bet that character was there though. He's he's definitely. What was that? I can't remember what that kid's name is. Amy loves Jerry Maguire. I've seen that movie so many times. Um, this is Changeling. I just sent it to you. This could have been a great episode to watch in October as it combines two of my greatest fears, spending time with children and elderly people with dementia. Mm -hmm. But it is just another lukewarm Voyager episode with a lukewarm twist. As a side note, to make those kids shut up, Tuvok shouldn't have taught them about meditation, but about the barely contained murderous rage he is suppressing every day. (laughs) Two curious cases of Benjamin Button out of five. The first line of that... um, that comment reminded me. I, I, I was. We were just talking about Austin Powers recently for mm-hmm. no reason, and it reminded me of one of my favorite jokes from the third movie, which is when Michael Caine says, "There's only two things that I hate in this world: people who are un- intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch." <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's a good one. Yeah. What's up with the um? Is there, are are the Dutch like a? Uh, because there's the famous office, the uh, BBC version. He's like, he's browsing like uh, porn sites on the work computer, and it's like, Dutch girl with big bu- boobs must be punished. And he's like, he's like, no woman, <laughs> Dutch or otherwise, should be punished for having much press. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's the the word, but they they seem to have a an infatuation with the Dutch. <laughs> Matt Ross says, innocence always makes me feel sad in its exploration of death. The Benjamin Button stuff, which never makes sense, and the wearing of a stocking on your face always annoyed me. Of course, kids out of control is something we can all relate to and use Vulcan calm in real life to varying degrees of success. In my head, I always see Baby Herman from Roger Rabbit as one of the kids with the Brooklyn accent and cigar, which would make the episode loads better. 2.5 kids out of 5. You know, I guess we never considered that maybe the reason that they were so cold towards Voyager. I mean, they're wearing those stockings on their heads. Maybe they caught them on their way to a robbery or something. I know. It's hard to identify who you're talking to. Yeah. Give me your, give me your, give me your, let me speak to your leader. Yeah, they, um, like, it's funny because like there's long stretches of like, they talk to the doctor for a while and stuff, but it's ultimately just not. I do. I do really like that they talk to the doctor and then they're like, we need to go immediately. The doctor's like, was it my fault? Yeah, what, did, what did I say? I've been working on this presentation. Kess has been helping me. Um, and just because everyone's talked about the kids. I thought the kids were pretty good in this, actually. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I thought they were fine. One of them was uh, Taj Maori, the brother of Tia and Tamara Maori of Sister Sister. Oh, nice. So is he doing? Is he doing anything now? Or is, uh, I don't know what happened to those two either. I have no idea. Uh, I can send this one to you. Did I read the last one? I think I did. I read Matt Ross. This is Jaron Hatch with the next comment about innocence. The concept is cute enough, even if the idea is as old as Benjamin Button, or is that as young as Benjamin Button? Whatever child, whatever childhood and old age are scary and poignantly similar. Who cares? The only reason why this is as good as it is is because of the interactions between Tuvok and the kids. Tim Russ rides that line between cold logic and paternal compassion beautifully, and he gives a wonderfully nuanced performance. After watching this episode, I'm confident in saying that Russ plays second fiddle only to Nimoy when it comes to playing Vulcans. Three forgettably dead ensigns out of five. What did you think of his Vulcan song? That was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was going to be bad, and then he, he settled into it. And I was like, all right, this is fine. This is acceptable. Oh, although it has something like 300 verses or whatever he says, and then he's yes. going to get to the point. <laughs> Skip the, the extended the bridge. Very rarely, rarely sang racist fourth verse. <laughs> Point X to G says, Innocence, going down to the planet and finding nothing but children means some kind of sci-fi shenanigans are afoot. How well you can stomach child actors will probably affect your opinion of this one. Tuvok is really great in this, and I enjoyed seeing his take on a Vulcan parent. Not the most original story, but it's solid. The alien's veil headwear thing is kind of weird, though. 
Do we learn any? Um, I can't feel. Do we learn any specific Vulcan parenting techniques in this? He doesn't really speak about that much, does he? Um, mm, just the lute thing. Yeah, just singing the song, playing the lute. But there's no, uh, there's no like parental advice or like he doesn't. Uh, I don't think there's anything specific about it, which is too bad. By the, by the way, the answer is uh, not much to what Taj. Taj Maori is doing these days. No, that's too bad. He's uh, he's apparently going to be in the Muppet Show that's coming out pretty soon. Oh, okay. But aside from that, it's the usual like he was in some network sitcoms and released an, released an EP in the last ten five or six years. Gotcha. But who hasn't, right? Exactly. Aaron Carter's dead. We'll just timestamp this episode yeah. at this point. <laughs> yes. So this just happened. So you win the bet. <laughs> That's right. We had to. My 2022 p- uh, prediction came out right. Uh, let's see here. This is Aaron Million with this comment I just sent you. In a sense. At the beginning of this one, I thought another Star Trek episode that focuses on kids. Those usually suck. But this one didn't, largely because of Tim Russ continuing to develop his character. Despite being a full Vulcan, not only half like Spock, Tuvok is exhibiting some human traits while being restrained by Vulcan mind control and logic. That's I believe that's just control over the Vulcan mind, not Vulcan mind control. <laughs> The downside to this episode, Wesley Crusher wasn't one of the kids since they all die. Three imaginary cave monsters out of five. What happened to, uh, where did those kids' bodies go when they leave their clothes behind in the cave? I don't know. Do they just like... Melt? Force ghost away? I don't like know. Like Yoda? This, there's also... Um, I was watching this on the iPad. It was incredibly difficult to see what was going on in that cave scene. I mean, I got the gist of it, but all it was was mm-hmm. just, I just saw like a, a shred of clothing and then Tuvok walked out of the cave and I had to assume what was going on. Maybe the bodies were there and I just missed it. I I didn't, I didn't see them there. I assume that they just like phase into di- another yeah, reality. Disappear. Yeah. Patrick Seba says, bastardized Play-Doh and all those kid actors. Tuvok sings a song, Kill Me with Bene- Kill Me Sweet Benefactors. He looked, didn't clutch. Thank God Berman can't touch. The script, which was fine, just fine. It was fine. It was fine. Two discount cheesecloth turned gimp masks out of five. Uh, this is all, is this all one comment? It is. So this is Brandon Neil Howells, who I will send to you. Innocence. The title should be Ignorance, as the kids have no idea what is happening to them. If the Dryans age backwards, are they born old? Alcia's great-grandfather led an anti-technology movement, which resulted in the Dryans becoming one, isolationists, two, apiarists, and three, absolutely terrible communicators. (laughs) I guess they are anti-technology, if uh, Brandon's comment is believed, yeah. Why doesn't Alcia tell Janeway what's going on? Meanwhile, Tuvok stranded on the moon with the annoying kids is tolerable except for the part where he sings the kids to sleep and then it really shines. When Tuvok enters the cave in search of the the Morok, I expect him to see a vision of Darth Vader and strike it down. (laughs) This episode could have been so much better. Two propositioning Chakotays out of five. When is Chakotay propositioned? Oh, he tells the story about uh, when he, he... really wanted to go on the first contact and so he learned everything there was to learn about the species and then oh that's right he, he said he thought he was saying hello but he was actually like saying give me a hand job, doing, the, <laughs> doing the the tongue through the two fingers thing <laughs> what a misunderstanding yep matt cabanis adley says oh get out of here pop up you know who I would pick as a coach for diplomacy? Certainly not the captain of a starship or the former captain of a ship now serving as first officer, nor the 150-year-old Vulcan who successfully went undercover, not even the Delta Quadrant native who knows more about species in a region than anyone else on the ship combined. Nope. Clearly the choice is the literal two-year-old who has spent her entire short life either underground or on Voyager. Four Vulcan children out of five. Let me go here. <coughs> Excuse me. This is Artorius with this comment to you no 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 sense no sense you missed missed the eye i did (laughs) 
No, no chin, no chin. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a brand new <laughs> Italian pasta. Is it Italian? No chin. <laughs> no <laughs> While watching this in the beginning, I was thinking to myself, wow, Tuvok is great with kids. He would make a great babysitter. Then as the episode progressed and the kids disappeared, I was like, wow, dude, what happened to watching over the kids? You'd make a horrible babysitter. <laughs> Good thing Vulcan children don't run off and act rebellious. Otherwise, the infant mortality rate would be higher, not to mention hospital bills. Well, technically senile old people. So, well, technically senile old people for this episode, which kind of ruined it for me. Two out of five. We've seen. I, this is a good place to bring this up. So I've talked before about one thing that I do not like about the Vulcans is that after they were um, created and existed for a while, they did like the. Uh, like midichlorians in the Jedi thing where they're like, they try to explain why the Vulcans are this way by yeah. like there are episodes oh, yeah, that yeah. say they have like a brain evolution that like prevents emotion and stuff like that. Yeah. When, uh, when uh, Archer had the pointy thing. Yes, that's right. Yeah. The point, yeah. The, the, if you don't get to the pointy thing, you have to evolve somehow and, and get around that. Sure. Um, and I think that we've seen Vulcan kids in discovery. I don't know if we've seen Vulcan kids anywhere else but just in the movies like the the abrams movies they had some oh they had some in that one there's probably maybe there's one or two but they're definitely in discovery uh i don't know if maybe they've been somewhere else but that would be one thing where it perhaps um like I, i guess my whole point is that the uh Vulcan children, if I were to design the Vulcans, Vulcan children would act like human kids. They wouldn't act like Vulcans, you know, Uh, to get, Mm -hmm. to get away from this idea that they just like have a brain stem that's different and that prevents them. Like, I I think that the Vulcan kids should have to learn how to act like their parents do over the course of their lives. They kind of do that in the Abrams movie, but not in the way that you would like them to. Sure. Where uh, they act like Vulcans, but the stuff they're saying is like... uh, Childish shit about like Bluey and uh, watching Clifford and stuff like that on TV. Spock, Spock, we've heard that your mother is so fat that uh, when she sits around the house, she really sits around the house. Now give me your lunch money or I will punch you in the face. Yeah, just a a big raised eyebrow at that stuff. That's what I would do. Um, I don't know if that would help this episode. Maybe I, I guess it would give Tuvok a way to talk to the kids early on about it if he's just accustomed to it. I just don't like this idea that Vulcan children are just like their parents, just smaller versions of them. I think right, that's, that's yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. Um, Jakey's Gamer says, this is a short one, Innocence, Tuvok is good <clears> in this and the ending is sweet, but getting there awake is a bit of a struggle. I'll agree with that. I fell asleep the first time through this one. Malif Pervoso uh, says, Innocence, one out of five, exclamation point. Wow. And then the final comment, who I will send to you, is from Nick the Rat. With a one out of five, I feel like I need the explanation as to why I it's know. a one out of five. This is Nick the Rat to you. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't see that you sent it. Innocence, Tuvok could have at least told the dying guy the captain will miss him instead of just an ensign. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He's not even like you were really good at your job, and we all enjoyed being around. He's like, I think there's one lady who probably misses you. Um, the ship and crew all like the ship and crew all look like new after it was all almost destroyed last episode. Very cool. If only the ambassador let Voyager know about the kids on the moon before waiting till they fired upon them, this entire episode could have been avoided. Yet I'd pay money to watch more Tuvok daycare. Four dead 96-year-old kids out of five. The sequence of the shuttles attacking each other, flying off, is a, a terrible Star Trek thing that they start doing at, from this point onward into Enterprise and stuff. I really yeah. don't like that stuff. Um, same with Tom Paris and Janeway going down in the shuttle. The, the, those, are just, those are just bad, boring scenes. That's I actually liked the scene when they were getting ready to go where Paris is trying to like go through all the protocols and Janeway is just like lock and load. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of fun, but (laughs) yeah, the actual, I mean that whole scene, that was, that was one of those scenes where it's like, that's a first draft kind of scene that you really need to rethink where it's like, okay, we've got them. Janeway and Paris are going to go down there to get Tuvok. And then what's the next scene? It's Tuvok flying, flying up. And then the, the, 
dryans or whatever yeah. they're called they're yeah. flying at them and then janeway and paris are there okay great well, then what happens everybody turns around yeah <laughs> it's even more it's like yeah it's like that's what everyone's doing it's like what's going on in the scenes you know like nothing right that's yeah. this is exactly it it gets to, like tuvok's the, having trouble with the ignition <laughs> the girl the girl character is surprised that the engine starts and she's really yeah it, it, i mean paris is there at the ending and he serves no purpose you know it's just one mm-hmm. of those strange kind of things i don't know i wouldn't have even had um I don't even know if Janeway and Paris needed to be there at the like to make it down to the planet for any reason. I think it was fine. All right, that's it. Thanks, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about this one called Innocence. I, I guess the patrons probably averaged that to a 3.5 out of that one. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of 1 to 5? Yeah, I'm going to give it a 3. Yeah. I think it was not bad. Yeah, it's a 3, I think, definitionally a 3. Um could have been a lot worse, maybe. I thought it mm-hmm. worked out just fine. Uh, I agree with it. I think it was Kyle's comment. It does feel like a TNG episode, like a not very good TNG episode, just in the sort of setup and um, design of uh, like how the the con- where the how the story set up, basically being stuck on a planet on a shuttlecraft with the mystery people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting to see a little bit of. Uh, difference between this and enterprise because this still has some clunkiness to the episodes whereas enterprise was all like structurally fairly sound but yeah. it was just boring just boring yeah yeah it's um that's true i think i i'm just trying to think of how how else it would be it, it is sort of a like a halfway love child of TNG and Enterprise. It has like the, mm-hmm. the those aspects of both of those shows. So it is a real Voyage is probably a real a real changing of the guard in terms of where the shows go after this point and how they uh, how they look and stuff. Um, that's it. We both give it a three. It's Innocence. That's the end of that one. Not going to be a very memorable episode with Voyage said and done. I don't think, but it was fine for what it was. Uh, thank you, everybody. Patreon.com slash the If you want to support the show there, a couple of dollars, you get extra stuff, all the good stuff. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, Bat ass should be back pretty soon. If it's not back already when this comes out, Sean and I have been uh, banking some new episodes. Uh, October is we started kind of late into the year and October is just like the busiest month of the year for me. So we got kind of delayed, but we should be uh, back on the horse uh, just in time for him to be done with Batman Beyond. I actually we were recording the other day. And I was like, are we even going to want to do this in like two months? Because you're going to be done with this book. It's like, Mm. what the hell else do we want? You're going to still want to talk about Batman Beyond or you're going to want to just like jettison all that shit from your mind. Mm hmm. But uh, he seemed to think we'll still be moving forward. So as long as he wants to do it, I'll keep doing it. Prepare. How many episodes are in left? Because what, are you in the final season of Beyond? No, we're, we just started. We're, we'll be starting season two. There's three seasons. Three seasons. Uh, the second season, I think, is the longest season with maybe like 20 episodes or something. Yeah. Um, I think the third one's a little truncated because I think it might have gotten canceled or something. I can't remember. Gotcha. Badass will return. Oh, and we're rounding out uh, Second String with Stephen King on Rotten Horror Picture Show Patreon. Yep. And this month, we ran our poll to see what we're going to do next year. And if you want to know the, what the answer was, you're going to have to listen to the show. Yeah. And then next month, when we do... This month, we're doing Pet Cemetery. Next month, we'll be doing Stephen King's It from 1990. And we will also be saying which movies will be on our 12 movie list for 2023 assuming you know the world still exists then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think this month uh we're going to be doing garth Marenghi's dark place on oh, nice. as our <laughs> as our thing because that won the poll so we'll do that i have not seen it i think you've seen it but i have not i have yeah it's good so i'm ready to prepare myself for that i always I'm, enjoy short british series yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm very curious how you're gonna react to that show because mm-hmm. it is it is very silly yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this will be interesting. Laughing time is over. <laughs> uh, let's see. I guess we're done. Yeah, so tune in for that. And otherwise, the usual stuff. End of the year. Holiday stuff. We'll be moving on. We'll probably do a Christmas episode. 
Maybe we haven't done a Thanksgiving movie yet. Maybe we should do a Thanksgiving movie actually there for are, November. There are so few. Yeah, like right. we were considering doing holiday horror movies. That was one of the choices on the on the uh, the poll. And there's like three horror movies that take place at Thanksgiving, and they're all terrible. Hmm. I'm trying to think of a non horror movie that takes place at Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. I can't think of any. I keep thinking of like Home Alone, but it's all Christmas. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Let me see. Holiday. It's strange, isn't it? Because like movies around Thanksgiving. Is it? Do you think it has to do with Thanksgiving being a explicitly American holiday for the most part? At no. least the way that we celebrate it. Because I mean, like Christmas, everybody knows Christmas, but Thanksgiving, even though it is a national holiday that everyone in this country is familiar with, like it's not. Like there's no movies about Canadian Thanksgiving either. You know no, what I mean? That's that's true. Or like uh, Boxing Day in Britain right. or something like yeah. that. Uh so I guess Wakanda Forever came up as like number one. <laughs> I, I hope so. I oh man, if 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 Wakanda Forever is about the Wakandans and <laughs> Namor's people <laughs> celebrating Thanksgiving, <laughs> sign me the fuck up for that. It is actually a Rotten Tomatoes list of the twenty eight greatest Thanksgiving movies. Um I de- there's I can't believe there's 28. I I know two of them maybe three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grumpy old man. Uh, is Rocky a Thanksgiving movie? Let me see. No, because no, because he fights no, Apollo. Not. He fights Apollo on 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 the bicentennial, I think, in '76. But I think the beginning of the movie takes place in, on Thanksgiving. So I think it, I think it crosses thanksgiving and christmas oh okay we just don't spend any time in thanksgiving unfortunately he's not no. listed well not listed on here Polly throws a turkey at adrian and then calls oh that's slip, right aside from that yeah the blind side is one the big chill you've oh, got the mail big chill. I thought it was a there's a whole movie. article on den of geek called rocky movies and the importance of thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> the highest one that i would watch is well, Charlie Brown's Christmas or Thanksgiving, sorry, is uh, number one, and then Scent of a Woman, I guess, is one of them. So I don't know. Uh, oh, hua, hua! All right. Well, I I don't want to watch any of these Thanksgiving movies, so maybe we won't do that. Maybe we'll do a Christmas movie. All right, we're done. Thanks everybody for listening. We will see you next time with the next episode of Star Trek Voyager, which I don't know what it is. So we'll see you then. <laughs>